Yeah, if you want me to edit for you till you can get back on your knees, because you're obviously jobless. (laughs) That's not a term anyone uses. (laughs) I think I had the perfect sound effect for that. Jesus. Super witty intro, it's another episode of 80 Page Giants. Are you sure of that? Uh, I'm hoping. <laughs> hey everybody, my name's David. With me is longtime companion, co-host, Ellis. It's your boy. <laughs> Super creepy. Uh, with us uh, as one of, I guess, the new permanent other co-host, uh, Mike Espinos. Bang, bang from Chicago. I realized the other day when I was driving around that we go through people named Mike on this show like fucking spinal tap drummers. We really (laughs) do. Like, it's just this constant revolt. Like, you're going to die and someone is just going to, like, step in right away to fill your spot. He's either going to die or he's going to join the army again. I was going to say I'm going to get deployed even though I'm not in the army anymore. Yeah. (laughs) He just goes. He just shows up. (laughs) But it's okay, because we'll have someone else named Mike to take that spot. Yeah, at that point, yeah. And joining us is our very special return guest, Miles Greb. And I am also here. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Are you going to be leaving this podcast midway through to go join the army? Uh, is there an army that's like raising against the Empire, or what are we fighting? Yeah, uh-huh, against the, uh, against, um, Stalin, who's back. I think, I think, I think we beat him. Nope, he's back. Well, that, that implies a lot of shit's been going down. Yeah. Some mad science and necromancy, so I think we should take the fight to the necromancers myself. They've okay. been so, long. So your answer is yes, you are leaving the podcast to go fight necromancers. Well, if I your say... premise is correct, that there are necromancers, then fuck yes. All right. Well, you know, I I read it on a uh, on Reddit. Reddit. Yep, that's what I did. So it's reliable. It has to be. I'll toss this out. I say we should just uh, raise an army and go fight the Food Babe army. I don't know what that means. I think they banned me from all their things. What is the Food Babe army? The Food Babe is a person-like thing that believes that all chemicals in food are bad for you and okay. has literally said there is no safe amount of any chemical to for a person to digest ever uh-huh. which is a nonsensical sentence because all food is obviously chemicals right damn but, you dihydrogen monoxide yeah she has a she has a, a group on facebook who um kind of protects her and bans people and harasses anyone who criticizes her anti-science food nonsense that's the food babe army Oh, okay. I just, uh, Vanny Hari. Yeah, that's that's her that's her American name. Good okay. job googling her. I, I did my googles. <laughs> you did it. I did my googles. Don't I thought that's that what works. we had a producer for. What's that? 
I said I thought that's what we had a producer for. No, we have a producer on this show, so somebody is always playing Call of Duty or something in the background. I am a produ- an editor, not a producer. Correct? I feel like I you're kind of the producer at this point. Eh, Did, didn't we talk about it? too many things to deal with. I am just here to be here and edit. See, I thought we talked about this. You're the producer and the editor, therefore you're the predator. Oh, that's right. Huh. Well, I thought he was a predator for very other for for other reasons. <laughs> so we since we last had t- Miles on here, he has successfully put out his comic book after the Gold Rush. I did it. We have reviewed and talked about. So congratulations on your book, man. Yeah, thanks. It's nice to actually have it out, and I think it looks way better than in print than it does digitally. So it's it's really cool to see it and actually hold it. And uh, I actually saw a guy buy a copy in a comic shop today in Seattle. So that was pretty cool. You know, just what, how, did, how does that feel? It, it was awesome, man. Cause like, you know, he doesn't know me. He doesn't even know all the backstory. He just saw it and flipped through it. And was like, this is the book for me. Yeah. And, and he bought it. And, and I hope he's not regretting it. <laughs> you go back the next day. It's like, he's whipped it back at the store. That'd yeah. be terrible. That's fucking awesome, man. How, how uh, has the, uh, the general reaction been from people? Oh, it's it's been pretty good. Uh, I got only got one review that was bad, but they thought Scout was a boy and that I ripped off Wally. So I really don't understand that criticism. So, so you're saying they didn't read the book? Yeah, it was a really weird review. I don't mind criticism at all, but it was quite odd. <laughs> I was like, okay. I want to put uh, this out there. I read after the Gold Rush, and I have never seen Wally. So yeah, well, um, I uh, I ripped off Wally. So come at me, Pixar. <laughs> you can That's take them pain. on, right? Pixar? It's really weird because, I mean, like, Wally's all about how, like, Earth is all barren and there isn't any plants in my books, like, fucking plants all the time. Yeah. So I don't. It, yeah. It's fine, though. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, though, the reception's been really good. You know, I, um, it's just the first issue. You know, we're just kind of starting the story. So I'm really excited for the next couple of books. I think they're going to be, you know, two, three times better than the first one. But I do think the first one came out pretty well. So we got an early review copy to um, read and talk about and everything like that. Um, when did the book actually like officially like it was just re- was it this past month? Um, yeah. So at the end of January, we got it like finished, finished, and uh, the the freight came in a little bit slower than I was anticipating. So I got the, all the big boxes of the books in just a couple weeks ago, uh-huh. and um, I've been sending it out to people. You know, can only send out so many a day because I have to you know work full time. Yeah, and doing other stuff. But I'm sending out as many as I can, so people are starting to get their books and posters and stuff in the Kickstarter campaign. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I got um, about 1,500 copies here, so we're going moving through them. Nice. nice. I, I believe I ordered 1,500 copies. So was that you? Well, I'm you... For that check, buddy. So you, you know, you give me that, and I'll get you 1,500 copies. I, I believe I did. Like, it should <laughs> be there. You'll, you'll, they'll, they'll pop up at my house. I check. feel like he's calling you a liar, Ellis. <laughs> Ellis doesn't lie. Um, I gotta when, say it, as a as a paying customer, I felt like I got my money's worth out of it because I was a uh, one of the Kickstarter backers, and it was a good uh, yeah. it was a good book. Well, thanks, yeah. buddy. I appreciate it. And uh, like I said, most Kickstarter backers get are entitled to the next couple issues digitally uh, for free, for, you know, in part of the backing. So you'll be getting those too. And um, we're well underway on number two. You know, Isaac and I have had a couple meetings, and uh, we're getting all the thumbnails and storyboard done now. We're moving on to inks. So you know, working our way. Oh, so the, the they're not like in the, you guys didn't like go out ahead and like do a bunch to have them in the can ready to go. Um, well, I have them all written. Uh-huh. But, uh huh. But 
Um, it takes Isaac a little while to do it because he's a full-time college student right now. Right. So it takes him a little so, while, but we're working so on what, it. So what you're saying is that the artist is slow. Uh, he is not exceptionally fast, but he gets he gets the job done. I really like his art. So. That's one of the, the best politically correct, or what am I trying to say? <laughs> Fuck. Subtle statements. No, no, I think that's a that's a like a great like. Hey, I'm not gonna talk bad about my artist, you dick. <laughs> well, I'm interested in the book, you know, um, being good, and sometimes it takes a little longer, and that's totally fine. You know, there's lots of people like Ubisoft who release stuff every single year, and it's awful, oh, and it's full of lies and disappointment. And I'm trying to actually make something good, and if that takes a little bit longer, you know, it's worth it because I, I the book has a message that's important to me. Right, I, I want that to work, and I want the story to work as well. So. <laughs> um exactly. when uh when can people do you have like a time frame of when you think the next issue will be out um i'm trying to get it done in march because there's mm-hmm. lots of cons in that season so march april that, that's what i'm trying to do but i'll let people know um like i said it, it's well underway um coloring will take the longest we'll probably have the inks done in a month or so it depends on the coloring that's the longest part but uh it's well underway and uh, you're actually you were able to to get to go you're go, or you're going to get to go to some cons this year, right? Yeah, I'm going to um, Rose City in Portland. I'm going to SecureCon in Seattle, and then there's two other cons in kind of around Washington that aren't in the Seattle area. Going to Lilac City as well as um, Central City. Um, I got invited to go to the Chicago one, but that's like you know far away. So uh-huh. I can put you up for the night. Yeah, I mean I. That that's the reason why I'm not going is extra like four hundred five hundred bucks for a hotel is just not really worth it. Actually, no joke. I'm a panelist there. I could actually put you up for the night. Hmm. Head to toe. Yeah, I'll talk to you after the podcast then. <laughs> um, but yeah, I didn't get in the ECC unfortunately, which is the big Seattle con. So right. that's a little disappointing. But everything else has been going great. That's awesome, man. Yeah, thanks, buddy. Al, I think you had some stuff you wanted to talk to him about. No, I'm thought... just here to be here again. <laughs> you no, piece of shit. Hey, <laughs> he's my favorite person on the whole podcast because he like never says anything. He just kind of like peeks over, and, like makes this little coy comment with this kind of boyish voice. I think. Ellis's <laughs> <laughs> boyish charm is what uh, sells this podcast. Yeah, it... exactly. Ellis has dark. about like five months left for boyish charm, and then it's <laughs> creepy adult. <laughs> hey, I prefer being a creepy adult than a normal adult listen you're gonna have a lot of time ahead of you of being a creepy adult so don't worry <laughs> you will regret it soon enough <laughs> <laughs> oh you should totally grow like the really shitty thin mustache no goatee yeah i was about to say a goatee Ooh, good callback <laughs> just have a neck beard and a goatee you had a good segue earlier but uh we somehow got off topic when we were talking about cons yeah did you um so what do you think about the whole movement with cons these days to include, like, educators? Uh, like, for example, Denver Comic Con's a great example where they have a huge education component when it comes to panelists and guests. Um, so a couple things there. Uh, cons have been, Comic Cons specifically, have been tradition, um, transitioning in this whole kind of, like, pop culture takeover um, to be more about movies and TV shows than comic books. And so there are appeal is a lot larger so while that's the trend i don't really have a problem and i think it's probably good to get like you know science educators and stuff like that or whomever they are as long as they're legit at cons um i would however like in the future after this thing dies down for comic cons to go back to being more comic centric 
because it, it's kind of disappointing when the biggest like people at cons or who's ever on Big Bang Theory or some actor on some TV show I don't watch. You know, I, I go there for the the writers and the artists and you know the comic book community because that's the medium that I really like. And I'd like cons to kind of have their space back again in the future. I agree with that statement. Yeah, I remember as a kid. I mean, as a kid, I used to go to Comic-Cons, and I don't even remember. We just called them Comic-Con. I don't think they even had fancy names. And uh, it was just like a convention center and just miles and miles of long boxes. And then Artist Alley. I live in uh, South Florida, so they would just be like shitty hotel room, like like large. man. Like I like to spend time in long boxes, but, you know, it's not really the thing at cons anymore. And, and it's fine if it's diversified. It's fine if there's artists, you know. And like I said, I'm not against celebrities being there, but it is a little odd when that's, like, the main draw now. I mean, San Diego Comic Con is essentially not a Comic Con anymore. But no. even, uh, even other ones, you know, like if someone from The Walking Dead TV show, which is long past being a comic show anymore, mm-hmm. um, its own story you know is there like that's the headline it's like well the guy who wrote walking dead should be the headline i mean that he's the guy who made all this and you know again i'm I, nothing against people who like the tv shows and movies that's totally fine i obviously watch tv shows and movies i just you know i want comic-con to be about comics again i've seen where there's a lot of creators who uh don't particularly enjoy going anymore because of that exact same reason i you know i I haven't been to them yet as a as a curator. This would be my first go through, so we'll uh-huh. see what my scene is. But I want to be out there and talk about my book, you know, and the message of it, and and the story of it, and scout and everything. I, so I want to talk to people and get them to buy the book and hope they like it. So I, I don't know. I think it'll be fun. I think it'll be good for it. But that's an ignorant opinion because I haven't been through it. So no, there's nothing wrong with being excited about something or and hopeful, unless you're Ellis. Yeah, yeah Um I started doing heroin now. Oh, that's that's that. a sweet segue. <laughs> Anyways. Let's come back to that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was reading online, you're saying you have uh, some more books that you're working on? Yeah, I'm working on a couple different books. I'm uh, making a little short. Uh, you guys know what Chick Tracks are? No. Okay, so there's, there's these like super right-wing Christian evangelical little comics called Chick Tracks. Which are normally like, oh my god, the boy didn't let Jesus in his heart and now Obama has taken all of our rights. This is what you could do to stop it. They're like little comics. They're black and white with similar themes. Um, They're called Chip Tracks? Chick Tracks. Chick. It sounds awful. Yeah, well, they're they're fantastic. Awful. Um, Oh, I'm looking at this. These look amazing. Oh, they're fantastic. There's a famous one about D&D and how ruin your soul and everything. We used to have that up. I have them all right here. At our like D and D game card shop in my hometown, we used to have the chick track of that up on the wall to remind nice. us of the dangers of El Diablo, you know. Um, but yeah, um, so I'm doing one of those in that style with the guys from the Bible Reloaded YouTube um, show. With a, we're kind of like using them as characters in the chick track style. Um, so that that's coming out pretty soon, and uh, I'm also working on my next. Um, story which is called espers which is kind of like a cross between final fantasy cimmerillion kind of thing it's like the beginning of the world's creation i'm not going to say a lot about it now but i have some pictures of it that people can check out if they look at my twitter and uh i'm working on a couple other projects but i can't announce yet but they're they're in the works so. i saw you nice. looking for art which is the art maybe you can't talk about but i saw you were 
um, looking for any artists of who are like from like um, Native American descent or something like that for a project. Yeah, that's that's one of them. I'm not super saying right now. Okay. But, uh, you know, like I'm not saying they're the only people I work with. I'm just you know, if there's any out there that are interested, I would like to include them. I'm putting so. it out there. They are the only people I'll work with. I see. I putting see. that right up on no, Front you know, Street. Like, um, I'm not trying to be like pick people just because they fit a certain different demographic, no matter what that is. Uh-huh. But I am trying to include people that don't often have a voice in comics, so I am looking for that. So if they're interested, then you know, um, contact me. I have a great story idea. There you go. And what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? Um, you can just contact me on Twitter at Goldrush Comic or on my website, which is AbsoluteGoldrush.space. There's a contact me thing. So either one of those is perfectly fine. Fair nice. enough. Dot space, I like that. Yeah, no, it's awesome, right? <laughs> um, you can also get the the book there if you guys want to buy a digital or a paper copy. You can do it there. Um, I've also been asked to run a Indiegogo on demand campaign, which is like an already completed project where you can still get like some of the rewards and stuff. So if anyone wants any of our awesome print posters or you know the book or whatever, you can go on Indiegogo and uh, back us there and help the book keep running because we're trying to do twenty five issues and get yourself some awesome art. Do you, uh, do you, so you, you have it set for 25 issues. Like, could you go more or is that like your, I won't go more. What's that? I won't go more. That's okay. the story. That's your story. Okay. Um, I, I do have the web comic, which is like a prequel, uh-huh. um, which tells about scouting. She was back on Titan, you know, as a kid growing up when her yeah. parents were still alive. So, you know, so, I can, if for some reason everyone gives me all the money and really likes the book, you know, I'll, I'll make more prequel stuff, I suppose. But the story's the story. So. Yeah. You're going to go, like, all Mark Millar and have, like, you know, the prequel and then the main story and then the aftermath. And then the I'm alternate ending. That's 5% of what Mark Millar is. Um, I mean, I like a lot of his stuff a whole lot. But, yeah, I wish he wouldn't do stuff like that. I kind of feel like stories end, it's best to let them end, you know? I don't know. I like Jupiter's, uh, the, the, the Jupiter series right now. I have not read that one, so. It's the best thing he's done in years. <laughs> oh, I'm a big... I I like Civil War a lot. I know that it has its critics. Uh, oh. Let's see, there we go. But I think uh, it was in, in comic history, and I was fond of it. Yeah, um, it was it was history for my credit rating when it happened. That was about it. <laughs> and I, I like the first Kick-Ass book a lot, and uh, I really like um, Red Sun, Superman Red Sun. So. Oh, yeah, that was good. That was Starlight solid. is phenomenal. I can see no one's read it. You should all read Starlight by Mark Millar. It's phenomenal. Starlight. Mark Millar. Uh, and last week I was plugging Huck, which is a great uh, series he's got going right now. I mean, he's, he's a solid producer, so I mean, I can't really make fun of him. So back to the Mark Millar podcast. Yeah, right. Hey, I want to, Miles, I want to ask you a question. Yeah. I mean, I've actually wanted to ask you this for a little bit. It's um, your opinion, because I know you're, you're probably the only other person I know who gives a shit about this comic book. How do you make Fantastic Four interesting? Or, okay. without giving away what you would necessarily do, what do you think no, is wrong with story. it? I have a pitch prepared for all you Marvel execs who always listen to this podcast every single week. They do a lot, which is weird, because I often make fun of them. Yeah, and that's why, though. Those guys, they want to hear about them no matter what. Yeah, no, that's... that's fair. Marvel loves hearing about Marvel. Yeah, Um. so... This is what made Fantastic Four great. Uh-huh. All right, start with that. So, the first couple issues, they didn't have superhero suits. Right. 
it was a guy who saw that, you know, um, he believed that we needed the West to win the space race. We needed to go out in space, not just because of the political stuff, but he's like, we need to go. We, mm-hmm. We've been waiting. I can't wait anymore. So he builds a rocket. He gets his friends together and he goes out in space. And yeah, they get hit by cosmic rays and that sucks or is awesome, depending on your perspective. Mm-hmm. But I mean, he goes to space and that that's amazing. And the whole book is about them, you know, meeting all these interesting characters and dealing with the ramifications of him going to space. And then they meet Galactus, who's, you know, one of the most interesting characters really in American literature. He's the first kind of like neutral god figure we really have in mm-hmm. like American lit. And obviously it's from a comic book and they didn't explore him that in depth in those first five issues, but it's a fantastic story. And there's all this stuff in Fantastic Four and people like Hickman were able to bring a lot of that back in his run. But after that, it's kind of since went away. And what I would do is, is I want Fantastic Four to focus on the current science of our time. So what I'd like to do, if I wrote the book, would have like reads like looking for a solution to, to climate change. And he doesn't know how to do it. And he tries all these things and he's like, we need a different energy source because the economic reality of all these solutions just don't work. You can't get governments to do it. And so he's trying to tap into the negative zone um, to take an energy source from there, and he gets lost in the negative zone. And what happens is you have, I want the comic to be about Sue, and then Val, who's the smartest character who's human in the whole Marvel Universe, that's Reed Richards' daughter, be about Sue and Val having to go and figure it out and go into the negative zone and look for him and try to find the the fix for climate change, even though Reed's gone, because um, it'd be really interesting because Sue's never had to become a scientist. Oh uh, shit! You know she's not like him, but Val's really smart and she's learning. So it'd be about them learning how to become scientists together while they're solving this problem. Meanwhile, I'd like to have Thing and the Human Torch like back at the Baxter Building, like next to the big portal guarding it that goes in between the negative zone in there. And they're pretty much not welcome to go, and they're just like hanging out playing fucking Smash Brothers and eating pizza the whole time. Right. That'd be comic relief section. So that that's my plan, Marvel. So let's hurry up and get this script written and send me that check. <laughs> I know Joe Casada's listening. I know he is. Yeah, yeah. So that, that, that's what I do. I, I want it to be about, you know, solving the big science problems in an interesting way and exploring space again. I think that's what would make Fantastic Four awesome. I was thinking of, like, a different direction, honestly. Um, I mean, I, 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 I like a lot of change. But to me, the... what, Or at least what I enjoyed about old Fantastic Four is the Kirby art. Well, sure. I mean, he's the best artist in comic history. So. I agreed wholeheartedly. hundred <laughs> uh, percent. But I thought it'd be really interesting if you give the book to someone who... Uh, just an artist, like, someone who is an artist first, writer second, and just let them go, like, batshit insane. Like, is so, there, like, a Tom Scioli on it or something like that? Like, what he's doing Ryan with Transformers versus G.I. Joe. We lost a fella. A man is down. Yeah, yeah we lost guy. Mike. Can you bring him back? I'll bring him back right now. Okay. I can't shake him. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, just, like, let it be just a visually batshit insane book. Yeah, well, you could get, like, the guy who does Low to do it, right? Um, I don't know if you've seen that comic from Image, but he has just fantastic art. You can Mm -hmm. kind of bring that Kirby-esque style tech, but have, like, that guy and, and, like, an interesting writer Mm -hmm. kind of team up to visualize some insane tech, you know, because that was really crazy reading those Kirby books, man, you didn't know what the hell Reed was doing. Yeah. Like, it's like pipes and twists and gears that take up the whole entire room that Thing can barely lift and move around, and all of a sudden, Annihilus is fucking there. Yeah. And then, like, 
you know, the Nihilist and Black Bolt's like, oh, I'm fucking here, but I can't talk. But, you know, I'd say something awesome if I was. You know, and it was just cool. Just great stuff. And, uh, like, Fraction, Fraction's run, you know, he took them to nightclubs and stuff. And, you know, that's fine. But, um... <laughs> but when Hickman did it, we had more of that. You know, we had more of that kind of intrigue. Yeah. And I, I thought that was fantastic. But he, you know, was doing so many other things. He got off the book, but... Yeah. No, I just love the first family, and I I don't really think it's Marvel without them, so I want them back. I agree with that. Um, would you? Are they your favorite Marvel property? Spider Man is, and then Fantastic Four. Mm-hmm. I've read almost every single issue of Spider Man, so uh, I started on Amazing Fantasy fifteen, and uh-huh. I'm currently at issue four eighty nine. Oh wow! Passing the the Clone Wars. Um, <laughs> I have. Read every single like spectacular Spider-Man, Peter Parker, Spider-Man, Spider-Man Unlimited, Spider-Man teed up, one shots, all those. You really like work. abusing yourself. Well, <laughs> I'm trying to like read every single issue so I can be like an authority. And so if someone's like, "Hey man, this is my opinion on Spider-Man," I'm like, actually, I've read every single issue. And then what are they gonna fucking do? Can't say so nothing. What you're saying is you're that guy that I hate at comic book stores. Oh yeah, dude, I'm an asshole. I'm a terrible person. I was digging around on the John Byrne uh, forums the other day because they have the section of, like, all his different, um, they call it Pearls of Wisdom, but, like, pretty much just, like, all his different, uh, why the fuck am I trying, I'm having a total brain fart right now. Just, uh, just like, uh, art tips, I guess is the easy way to say it. Mm-hmm. Just, like, how to draw different things, and one of the things that he put up was the uh, guide to drawing Spider-Man's web as told to him by John Romita Sr. Well, that's a good, that's a good person to talk to. Yeah. Probably the best, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. One, one of the best for sure. He's yeah. If not the best, I Dick mean, I would, I would put him pretty goddamn high on the list. Yeah. I think, I think Dick was main addition to the Spider-Man universe other than being the major creator. But like the one that like lasts af- after that is the rogue gallery. Cause he pretty much whole cloth invented all those major villains. Sure. But I think visually, um, Ramita took it to. I mean, he made yeah, it. He drew but... prettier girls too, which yeah, it, it's important to the story because there's lots of romance in Spider-Man. So you know, it, um, it helped. I find has, Spider-Man like... sexy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, he was saying how like there was a lot of he would get into a lot of arguments with other comic professionals who would like you know give him shit about his Spider-Man notes, and it's like, yo, Ramita told me these things. Like, why are you yeah. pissed off at me for? I just thought it was interesting. A lot of the early things where you weren't supposed to ever draw Spider-Man just standing, right? He's always supposed to be crawling on something or upside down, yeah, or leaned over. And and I think that goes a lot to his effect. But, I mean, Peter Parker is just as important as Spider-Man as a character, you Mm -hmm. know? So you have to get your side right as well, which which is why I think they haven't done quite as much lately. Because they just sent him on all these weird voyages now where he's in other people's minds and stuff. And although those comics were good, you know, then they're... It's just not typical Spider-Man books. I think, like, the last really good, like, pure Spider-Man story is in AVX when the two of the Phoenix Five turn him in the Jello. Mm-hmm. You know, when he gets the shit beat out of him. I thought oh, that is that was... the Avengers X-Men crossover? Yeah, the AVX. Yeah. The oh, I, I read the first two issues, and I stopped reading any Marvel book for, like, two years. Fair enough. <laughs> I was out. I was like, nope, can't do it. Yeah. Uh, DC is putting out there an omnibus of the first 
several Justice League of America stories from the 60s, written oh, by Gardner Fox with beautiful artwork from Mike Sikowski. I I really like Silver Age and Golden Age Batman. I like the colors that they use on him. Mm-hmm. Um, he's also more of a detective back then. I mean, sometimes he is now, but a lot of times it's all about his like brooding emotion these days. I kind of miss Detective Batman. Yeah, Carmen Infantino era '60s Batman is maybe my favorite. Um, I'm anything Silver Age DC. I'm a sucker for. I, I'm a Marvel guy, you know, but yeah, I, I still like some of that stuff. Um, I do like some DC books. I just don't read their like chronicle, you know, kind of universe. I read yeah. their kind of world or choice note kind of stuff so yeah um star superman for example is an awesome book it is an there was actually the atlantic just did an amazing article on superman that i think superman's really underrated by a lot of casual comic fans who think mm-hmm. he's i he's think even first. hardcore comic fans underrate him that's that's definitely true but a lot of people who don't read his stuff think he's boring i think he's a very interesting character because I like agree. his conflict doesn't come from you know, how am I going to beat this guy? It's what should I do with my power, mm-hmm. right? Like, he's like, I can change the whole world. I can fix all these problems, but is it right for me to do that? Like, does that actually help people in the end? Like, oh, should, Silver should my Superman? Hmm? Silver Age Superman, who's just like, well, fuck it. I guess we're going to fight some robots now. That shit's the yeah. best. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I, I like I like kind of Goku, Superman, lawful good characters who are really powerful, but have to learn to deal with what that power means. Yeah. I think that's Thing, so. See, I feel like the the recent run on Superman where he's lost his powers and he has to deal with, you know... Ah, uh, that's being because the, you hate America. It is. See, I don't read New 52 because I don't consider it to be comic books. See, I don't there's feel like you good, can just... There's good stuff just, in... Does I'm Grant Morrison's comic is some of the best. And I'm sure it's good because everything he makes is good. I just think New 52 is an advertising campaign that, you know, wasn't for comic book fans and well, I don't... Kind of stuff. Yeah, but let me let me let me counterpoint it with this simple statement. If they don't sell comic books, there's no 52, there's no DC. If it takes a, uh, if that's what it takes, is an advertising gimmick to sell comic books, then but how how are the sales of like number six of all those runs? I know what the sales of number ones were, but I mean the sales of number six, number seven. That's if you got people reading. I mean. Were those sales good? Because it seems a lot of those books got cut. Yeah, but were sales of comic books across the board? At least DC I, I will say this, diversified into digital DC comics as well as using it. Two books in the top twenty, which is pretty pathetic. The rest okay. is all Marvel and The Walking Dead. Yeah, well, Marvel. Well, uh, uh, Star Wars. Oh yeah, I consider that well, part of Marvel. It uh, is Marvel, I, but I won't do that. But I mean, it is Marvel published, but I mean. Because you know. those books weren't in the top 20 when it was Dark Horse. That's true, although I love Dark Horse Star Wars. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, so the best-selling book in January was Walking Dead, then Secret Wars, Spider-Man, Deadpool, Star Wars, Star Wars, Old Man Logan, Star Wars, Batman, Darth Vader. So, you know. Yeah. Star Wars. No, I agree with that, but, I mean, let's let's look at those over in June and see where the best-selling books are. Because the Star Wars could still easily be riding the high from the movie coming out. Oh, it probably is. And, and you know, my comments were obviously overstated. I just, um, because that's the way the show works. I just, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I kind of don't like when they just kill everything and reboot it. I think it's kind of, like, offensive to long-term comic fans. Who get well, really then you must, you, you must hate Marvel because they do that, I'm going to say, three times a year. Well, Marvel's never killed 616 until just now, and I won't buy any comics after it, so... 
I will say this. My official stance is I really don't give a fuck what they do in the main books. Because if that's what they have to do to pay for me to get these sweet Silver Age omnibuses, that's <laughs> all I care about. Hey, you said the plural right. Good job, man. Hey, I, I try. I try. I woke up for that. Everyone thinks it's omnibuy, but it's not. Who says it. that? Motherfuckers, man, but not you. You're on it. Well, I'm on the East Pretentious Coast. Pretentious people. So, you know. <laughs> Well, it's only an I if it's a Latin word, and it's not Latin. So. Also, they do Batman 66 comics, and those are the best. They were the best. Uh, I'm reading Batman 66 meets Man from Uncle, which is a current oh. series coming out right now, sir. And it's amazing. It is amazing. I haven't even seen the movie, so... Well, it's an old TV show, but... Yeah, but it's also a movie. Yes, that's fair. You know so, what makes it hard? Like, I was looking at the sales numbers. I can't tell what books are what books anymore. Because this book says Infinity Gauntlet, number two. But Infinity Gauntlet, number two, came out a long time ago. But they yeah. just named the same things all the time. So stop freaking doing that, man. Well, after, like, when they did that like, that recent Secret Wars thing, there was, like, a million different books. that I mean, in classic Marvel style, there's always a million different books. But, like, they were just, like, relaunching everything. They've been rebooting books now that have the same art team and author. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah. no, don't so do Squirrel that. Squirrel Girl. Well, yeah, Squirrel Girl. At least when they rebooted Squirrel Girl, they did a good job with it. Spider-Gwen, they just, like, they didn't transition. It was just issue one was, like, the, I want to say, like, the ninth issue. They just relabeled it number one. It was awful. There was, like, you just couldn't transition. Uh, my pitch, my only pitch I have for Marvel is I want to do the champions and I want every issue to be issue number one. And it's just constantly rebooted issue after issue. Jeez. I mean, that, that's what just hurts me because like why I like Marvel so much and I've liked them for such a long time and why I buy so many of their books is because everyone I buy is more of the same universe. They all like add to like your experience because like even if i don't super like the book i know a little bit more about this character and what was going on in this time it's just so cool of this big unified universe that starts all the way back and like fantastic four number one or even earlier with timely comics with namor running around in world war ii and it's like they just don't seem to care about that part anymore and that's the part that i've really loved and so i just i don't know i kind of feel pushed out yeah so you'll be back yeah. I honestly feel pushed out a lot on comics lately to the point where like I just I shy away from the big two and I'll take, you know, a six or eight issue run of an indie book and love it. But, you know, you're not gonna get much more of it. Yeah. I mean I think what Marvel's doing to be more inclusive is really good. Um, but it seems to me that they're forgetting about all the other cool characters. I mean there there's tons of cool female characters or, you know, black characters or all kinds of diverse characters in the Marvel universe that get no attention and they just keep kind of throwing that moniker on new people. Like, for example, um, Patriot is an awesome character. Um, I think that he should have had a chance of being Captain America instead of Falcon, because Falcon's never been that interesting. He doesn't have a lot of fans, but Patriot was an interesting new character. He could have been at the center, but it seemed like since Falcon was in the movie, it's easier for them. And I, I, don't know, I kind of feel like they don't care about what makes the most narrative sense for the universe anymore. I don't know, it kind of bugs me. I don't know. I feel like uh, Falcon's been a pretty solid addition to Captain America. I ha so I I I'm not that far because I read trades, so I don't know him as Cap. So I'm a little. It's pretty good. There. I, I'm waiter. not saying it necessarily isn't. You know, I'm just saying that I think that just from where the universe has gone all these years, I thought Patriot was a better kind of right. person to fill the role because I mean he he has his powers 
from the original Captain America who's black because they tested the superhero sol- surgeon uh, serum on him before mm-hmm. Steve. You know, like he kind of passed that on. I thought it was a good legacy for him to be the new Cap. And you know, I'm just saying I don't know about how Falcon's doing, but just from what I know about Falcon all these years, that's what who I would have picked. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right, well, that is our Marvel Comics plug. So, what's that? Sorry for ranting so much about Marvel. No, 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 please. It's absolutely fine. We we enjoy talking about other comic books. And it's actually nice that we're talking about comic books on the show for once. What's that? Well, I don't watch any of the TV shows, so I can't really talk about them. Uh, speaking of TV shows uh, in the news, it looks like Agent Carter's actually getting the axe because they pulled Haley Atwell to be in another pilot for the same um, for the same broadcast company. Oh. So there goes Agent Carter. Wow. I have no idea if that's good or bad. I like the show. It's been pretty good. I couldn't watch S.H.I.E.L.D., so I didn't watch it. No, the first season of S.H.I.E.L.D. is painful. The second season's okay. The third season's pretty solid. I'm I used Agent... to watch superhero shows without superheroes in them. Agent... I love the Inhumans. Like I have their first appearance, the both argued versions, uh, 45 and 46, right back on my wall. I love them, and I think that they have no idea what the Inhumans are or what they're about or how to write them. And I'm really sad that they're in that show. And so, even if it does get better, I don't want to watch it. I feel like they're positioning no, can... the Inhumans to be the new X-Men. Yes, yeah. they are, which is the exact opposite of what they're supposed to be. Yep. They're supposed to be this old society that's very secretive, very interesting. You know, there's a lot of nuance in the Inhumans. They're not just a bunch of teenagers who are different and ostracized. They are more powerful. They ostracize themselves. Yeah. But they can't tell that story because it's not simple and Marvel doesn't care and... I'll shut up because I'm being real negative, but I love the Inhuman. <laughs> it's fine. It's usually me bashing DC, so this is fine. I actually wanted to talk to you about how. Um... Okay, so one of the one of the things I floated past David and Alice earlier today was um, David is a big fan of the Silver Age, and his his uh, point of view is that comics and science were completely crazy shit where they just made stuff up and wrote it down. But I argued that the kids who grew up reading those comics are now in the labs, and they're trying to emulate that. And they're they're bringing about the scientific or the 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 sci-fi that they grew up with and trying to make it real. How do you feel that today's generation is going to be affected by the comics that we have out there? Yeah, that's a good question. So it, it's very true. Um, the original series of Star Trek, things like Fantastic Four or even the Tech and DC comics, um, did have a profound effect on people's view of what we should build and their enthusiasm to build it. But we also have to understand that this was a time of the space race. This was a time when science was really blossoming into taking us into new places. Um, You know, the the atom was a new thing. It was a new power source. And it beckoned a lot of optimism. A lot of this is from national propaganda, of course, from both Russia and America. But it wasn't just propaganda. It, It was this pioneering spirit. Or we're going to go somewhere. And this time, luckily, the pioneering um, is to a place where there wasn't a bunch of people we had to kill in order to go there. Um, so it was, you know, it, it was a more moral and unified kind of thing. And I, I think that we have kind of lost that. And that's a major reason why, after the Gold I'm trying to be really optimistic about what science can do and um, try to inspire some of that in people. That's why I made the book so all um, older people can enjoy it. There are mature themes. It's also... Um, perfectly fine for younger kids, you know, like 10 and up to read the book and get something out of it. 
Uh, I do feel that there is quite a lack of that. Hopefully, the new Star Trek series that's going to come out in a couple years will have that. Um, but our really good sci-fi, like Battlestar Galactica, I don't think is inspiring. I don't think people are going to watch that and want to build tech in the years to come. But I think we can get back there. But I don't think there's a lot of media that is promoting that at the moment. Um, sorry to be a bit long-winded, but there are there are things like Adventure Time, you know, where Finn says mathematical and stuff, and like Big Hero 6 where they try to act like science is cool, and, and that's fine. Oh, I think that's good, but like neither of those things talk about like what science actually is. There's no real conversation about the scientific method at all in Big Hero Six. So it, it may inspire some kids, but we need kind of more actual science um, I would, conversations. I would actually disagree with you a little bit. One of the things I love about Big Hero Six is that uh, not only is it, it puts a big emphasis on engineering, but you also have um, strong female characters who aren't just your either super cute or, or super derpy scientist girl. Definitely. So, uh, I, I'm not criticizing the movie whole plot. Uh, I, I'm just saying, like, for example, um, the kid has free universal health care that he could give to everyone in the world, and he decides to make a robot fighting squad. And, right. Uh, I mean, that's not really optimistic sci-fi. That's not how Star Trek would be the story, you know? Like, And I think that that kind of limits its appeal in the terms of getting kids to want to, like, make stuff. I could definitely be wrong there, but that's kind of what I took away from the movie. Uh, I thought the movie was fine. I, I don't mean to criticize the whole thing, and I definitely agree with you with what you said. Um, one of the other things that I have to say is as a teacher, um, I teach I, I teach STEM courses uh, for middle schoolers. That's awesome. And one of the biggest things that the kids took away is the concept of self-assembling machines. Yeah, that's true. I, and, and that's going to be a big part of our future. 3D printing is coming. Um, it will affect a lot of us. How our economy is going to deal with it and what the rules will be will be interesting. But that will empower a lot of kids to make a lot of new stuff. So, Oh, yeah. The the maker movement is going to be huge in education as well as in society itself. Yeah, I think the same thing we saw with production of say, like YouTube videos or even comic books. I mean, I made this comic without any publisher whatsoever, just as a bunch of guys, right? That would have been really hard to do in the past. Um People make YouTube videos, really great YouTube videos that have equal quality content, the stuff you see on TV, and they make them without, you know, the big apparatus, without, you know, assistance from the bourgeois. They make them all themselves. Um, and I think that we will see a similar transition with 3D printing, where people make all kinds of things by themselves. And I think you'll see a lot of great inventions from kids. So inspiring that, I think, is important. So if Big Hero 6 did that with your kids, then um, I was obviously wrong about some of my criticisms. I, uh, I agree. I have an inventions unit, and some of the ideas my kids come up with are absolutely astounding, and I think they could actually make them in reality. Yeah, um, well, but that, I'm really that glad transitions to that. Uh, nicely, though, because you talked about how, uh, with including science and after the gold rush, and one thing I think we can agree on is that um, science itself is kind of a liberal, um, it's a liberal view, having science as your, as your basis is something that tends to be a little bit more liberal. But one of the things, how do you how do you reconcile the fact that within liberalism there's a uh, there's a backlash against science from anti intellectualism with like GMOs and um, um, oh, sure. what the well, hell's the other thing? Vaccines could be yes, one. Yes, thank you. Or could nuclear be one. power actually could be one as well. Um, so that that's a, that's a complicated question. Green Revolution happened a long time ago. Big Ag already controls us for better or worse. I think there's lots of benefits of big ag. There's also a lot of negatives. Um, and so their initial reaction was, well, GMOs are number one, not natural, which is fallacious. But number two, they're part of the big corporate world, and therefore we should oppose them. We should see this as 
you know, the enemy. And so I think they had a hard time understanding that, no, this is actually a useful technology. And in fact, I think it's one of our most important technologies we're going to have in the future. If we're going to spread out to other planets, we're going to have to genetically modify food and maybe even ourselves. It may be much easier to change people to live under conditions on the moon or Mars um, in, in novel ways, not obviously remake our whole morphology, then it's going to be to engineer all these things. I think that's an important part of it. Um, so I think that that's the reason why we've had that problem. As for nuclear, um, it's part of it's anti-war. Part of it's because Greenpeace is a, has a very powerful anti-science message and has controlled the narrative. And um, I think a lot of it is just, again, mistrust of the companies who run it. But uh, it's it's an increasingly safe technology. And the reactors who have had the problems uh, that people normally bring up aren't the kind of technology we use anymore. So I think the discourse around it's pretty naive to the people who are against it these days. Um, with, the, uh, with the discussion of nuclear power, and also earlier you mentioned how uh, the scientific discoveries of the space age uh, and medical discoveries of x-rays were important. Uh, today we had a rather big announcement. How do you think the, the announcement of uh, the discovery and proof of gravitational waves is going to affect, I mean, comics and science? Sure. Um, so I've actually been thinking about all day how and if I want to incorporate it. I think it's a, a fantastic thing. I'm very excited about it. You know, I was trying to get everyone excited about it at work, but no one knew what I was talking about. Um, I think the media has done an okay job of talking about it. I think it should have been more exciting to people. I don't think it was described as well. You know, everyone focused on, oh, Einstein was right. That's that's great. And that part of it's awesome because we were able to use mathematics and deduction to predict things about the universe, which we're later able to demonstrate and find that are true. Same thing with the Higgs particle. Math led us to a conclusion about the universe, which we could never see with our normally evolved senses. But this methodology and our technology lets us see that, which is just fantastic. But the coolest thing about these gravitational waves is that it's like a new telescope. It's a new way we can look out in the universe. We can see events that happened millions of years ago. That's it, it's, it's a glance into the past, the way that we can see light, obviously, from the past. But we can see now events, the big catastrophic you know, movements of our cosmos. We can now see their footprints. And that, that will tell us a lot more. We also may get new information about strings, which are just kind of a vague hypothesis now. But having this new telescope, which is basically what we have now, this new way of looking at the universe, will be awesome. Um, there's also, I mean, so we can look at that from a sci-fi perspective. Um, we can also, there's energy possibilities with it, so we can look at that. So I have a few ideas about how we might handle it in the sci-fi world. But I think, hopefully, if people can get it communicated to them well, it will excite them. Maybe Cosmos Season 2 can talk about it. Uh, yeah. Uh, with Cosmos, though, um, that actually kind of leads me to my, my final question for you, is we have um, we now have these huge characters in science. We have Neil deGrasse Tyson, who is an icon of science, and stands as kind of a giant. He's, he's, he's relevant in pop culture. Um, how, did the, how do you think that the, the nerd world transitioning to pop culture has changed science and has also changed people's perspective of, um, of smart people. Sure. There's a lot of good and there's a little bad of that. Um, the good is that things like this get shared by people who don't care as much. You know, they say, oh, all the scientists guys are all excited about gravitational waves. I don't really know what that means or what it's about, but it sounds awesome with Sheridan. That does get the message out to more people and that does make it, uh, a bigger discovery because it can influence more people to care legitimately. So that's really great. 
Um, also shows like Cosmos, I'm sure, educate lots of people. I mean, most of that information or most of the stories like Faraday and everybody, a lot of, you know, as big science nerds know those people. But one, it's fun to see them on TV, but also there's tons of people that don't. So it's a great educational tool. It's also good to have um, public figures who have strong scientific opinions because a lot of American politics is identity politics, right? You side with a few voices that you like and they help kind of inform your opinion. So that's good, but that's also the, the downside of it because, you know, science isn't, um, shouldn't be about the personalities so much because one thing that people do with personalities is they like to criticize them a lot when they're wrong. And the thing about science is we like being wrong because that means we learn something. And this pro there, there's a conflict between being really into science and then being really into science personalities where you make things about the speaker and not the message. And so that can be problematic. But I think it overall is a good thing. And um, hopefully it will get more people into science proper. Well, thank you for answering all my nerdy science questions. No, I, I like them. Thank you very much. They were less profane than the normal tone of the show. <laughs> Back which to I David. also enjoy. Nerds. <laughs> 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 All right. Well, this is the show where we, and Miles, feel free to join us for this, um, kind of pitch out stuff that uh, we're into lately as far as it could be reading, watching, anything at all. And we kind of throw it out to each other, to the listeners, anything uh, you'd like to get people up on. I've been reading after the Gold Rush. It is fantastic. I agree <laughs> with that wholeheartedly. That, the, that last page was phenomenal. Thanks. That was the first idea in my head for the whole story, by the way. I, really? I had that image in my head, and I like built the whole story around that. So uh, you did a great a job. Yeah. Okay. So, did you listen to the episode where we discussed after the gold rush? Yeah. Yes, I did. Okay. What's your uh, What's your response to my criticism of the the skulls on the natives' heads? Um. So because no. deer skulls are so skinny and small, how would you wear them and see out them? Um. So what What you do? It, it, they're kind of fascinating. Um, different native people and the clove people before the Native Americans, um, they actually did wear them. Uh, normally you break it, right? You either you break it or you don't use the bottom half. You just use the top. And the, the eye holes kind of go up. I can show you like a diagram of how I figured it worked. But also they're, the deer have, you know, had a while to change their morphology a bit. I can't explain, but I, I think it works out reasonably well. I, I'll talk to you more about it off the air if you want. Okay. But, uh, I, I think it works. I love ungulates, and um, I just, I was looking at that, and I'm like, I've seen so many deer skulls, and I can't imagine how that would work. I haven't seen that many deer skulls, but I did research this, and I, I thought it was reasonable, so. Oh, well, you, Illinois, you have to take hunt. into account that Mike hurts animals. Yeah. I'm from so Illinois, and So many hunt. deer skulls. That's fine. I've, I've been hunting. I, I don't have a moral problem with it. I just don't do that at the moment, so. It's, it's how he gets off. No, I mean, that is peculiar, but that is his prerogative. Since we're podcasting, you can't actually see that I'm sitting on a throne of skulls. That's right. Completely nude. Mm-hmm. Completely nude. Game of Thrones style. <laughs> yep. Your style is so played out. <laughs> um, Mike, is there anything, anything you want to get us up on? Oh, God. Um, honestly, uh, as always, I always push the indie books. Mm -hmm. Right now, um, there's a little project I've been working on, but I'm not willing to talk about it because it's not it's so early, it's not even funny. But um, the long and the short of it is find what you like out there because I don't care what you read. 
there's a comic book out there for you. Definitely. Like maybe you like getting, to get nude and hurt animals. The medium's getting really diverse, which is awesome. We have you know tons of stories. Some of them that I don't care about, but you know they have stories about kids just kind of living in the city. You know, like going out and playing in like pop punk yeah. bands. You know, and like I said, I don't really care, but it's awesome that's there for the people because I love the comic medium and I just think it's good to include as many people as possible. Oh yeah, there's something for everybody. Yeah, definitely. I made the terrible mistake of starting to read Sword of Azrael. Oh, and boy, does that book not hold up well. Nope. <laughs> that was a. Aren't you really <laughs> excited to get it though? I was super excited to get Sword of Azrael because like, I was thinking, hey, Danny O'Neill, who you know I have mixed feelings about his writing, but you know whatever. And uh, Joe Casada, isn't Joe Casada who drew this? Hold on, let me no reach over to my pile. I don't think so. Yeah, it was I'll Joe Casada who drew it. Someone who's reading. Spider-Man Clone Wars, let me tell you, it's hard to read some 90s books, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this book is so fucking 90s. It's, uh... And listen, I love some 90s comics. This is not one of them. It's been a fu- I've. It's... Uh, is it four issues? I think it's... Holographic four. covers as far as the eye can see. By the way, did oh. you guys see Layfield is acting like he's the sole inventor of freaking Deadpool? Yeah, I did see oh, that. They're like, me. dude, first of all, people give you such a bad rap that you deserve don't deserve more of it like i mean i like Liefeld, you know here and there for for things but i thought that was you know and then he was saying that he was taken out of context but i don't know how you call your writer a janitor and have that say be taken out of context it hasn't taken out of context that's been his whole opinion his whole freaking life he he, like is famous for saying the era of writers and comics is over like no I mean, well, yeah, started... 90s, 90s wasn't a writer's era. 90s no, was, a, what it was a... Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I, of course, respect my artists a whole lot to bring a lot to the book. You know, I couldn't do them without them. But, I mean, like, I made the story. You know, like, it's, it's my story. I mean, it doesn't exist without Isaac in this form, and I'm very appreciative of that. But, I mean, like, and, and you definitely have artists that can write, but, I mean, writing is a different thing. And also just having two people in the story brings a lot to it because you bounce things back and forth off each other and you know like one person's focus on the visual and one person's focus on directing the narrative and i think it's really important to have those two people yeah yeah so uh get up off rob liefeld i would actually argue that the artist is as important for directing the story as the writer because they give you the the visual cues that that people will take away from the story almost as much as they take away the words that's true it definitely depends like um i lay out the panels a lot in the book you know like i really specifically at the panels and stuff some writers don't do that some do so it depends on the team but i mean obviously the artist is as important most of the time so it, it depends but yeah i'd like to think ellis is the most important important part nailed of the it book. what i've been reading is i've, I just, I've been reading manifest destiny mm-hmm. i just bought this comic called love the tiger okay Oh, yeah, and, you're, uh, yeah, you're talking about that. Yeah, I have no idea really what it is. It's just a tiger, and he's running around the jungle, and it looks really cool. It looks like that, like, Dinosaurs Reptile book that I think Dark Horse put out. It's kind of like uh-huh. that. But I'm working on another comic that uh, is kind of in a megafauna setting, if you guys know your history of Apox. And uh, I thought this might be a good thing to read. So you got to check out that. And I've been reading through uh, Dark Materials, Golden Compass, you know, reading through oh. that. I did not enjoy that. 
Like the okay. first book was good. After that, I just did not enjoy it. Well, I read the first book as a kid and really liked it. Uh, I haven't read the others, so that's why I'm rereading the first one to reboot. So, All right. Well, sorry to ruin your I, childhood. Alice, you got a pick for us this week? Yes, but I'd like to get that after that. I'm going to throw this in earlier when we were talking about it. Okay. Um, so I had a question for you, Miles. If you were to write any character, like, for any company, um, who would you want to write? God damn. Um... I, I really like the right Luke. Um, I love Luke Skywalker. And I think... I think that a lot of times people want to focus on, like, his kind of, like, stoic badassness. Like, it happens a lot in the EU. But I'm really interested in kind of, like, the Diagaba kind of Luke. Like, okay. him dealing with the Force and, like, kind of the weight of his family history and his future and what he's supposed to do. So I'd like to write Luke. I'd also like to write Boy Blue from Fables. I know he's dead, but if that ever came, he's one of my favorite. And uh, I also really like Namor because he's a dick. Um, <laughs> but here's the, here's the thing about Namor, dude. Like, he, he owns more of the world than anybody else. Like, he owns the underwater, which is a lot of places. And they, like, nuked his land and totally killed him. And he didn't kill everyone for that. Which I think is pretty chill of him. Didn't I mean, yeah, he attacked New York. What? Huh? I think they killed him. Yeah, they killed him in Illuminati. No, no, no. They like they I just killed him part like part in the reboot in uh, uh, Squadron Supreme. Oh, I don't know. Oh well, fuck you. I didn't know. But anyway, oh, he saves the whole Marvel universe in New Avengers. Like they go to fight the DC universe and the whole world colliding thing. Everyone's being a bitch, and and Namor's like, fuck that. He kills Batman. And, you know, he starts running up on everyone. He saves the whole universe. I'm sorry, what? Yeah. I don't Never know about Batman. this. I... Uh, you're mixing metaphors. No, no, this isn't a metaphor. It, 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 New Avengers, uh, the Hickman one, uh-huh. uh, they go, they, the universes are colliding, right? The DC oh. facsimile universe comes over with their Justice League. Oh, uh, okay, Justice I see. Yeah. And, 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 like, they're all talking there, like, okay, you're not going to fight because they're both good guys, and Namor throws his trident right into the facsimile Batman guy and kills him. Hmm. You well, had I'm the, glad uh, he's dead then. <laughs> I stopped listening at crossover because nothing good comes from that. Well, it was, I mean, it's part of the universe crossover event thing, you know. You know what I'm talking about, man. Secret I do, Wars. but that doesn't make it doesn't make it any better. Els, <laughs> <laughs> what's your pick for the week? Uh my pick, as always, and will always be, until you read it, will be Deathstroke. Okay, not going to read it. Oh, I forgot my pick, which is uh, Punisher with Eminem. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> that I'll read. Is this Rap God Eminem or like Marshall it's Mathers? It's Marshall Mathers Eminem. I think you should go with Rap God Eminem, man. It's an Eminem Punisher crossover book. You could draw him like Adam Warlock, and he'd be a total badass. This is still oh, when Eminem was doing Vicodin. Okay, hold on. You can cut this out else if you want. This might only be interesting to Miles, but um, oh fuck, what's that guy? Uh, he did uh, Captain Marvel in the seventies. George Perez. Nope, nope. The writer. Jim Starlin. Jim Starlin and Alan Davis are coming back to do a Adam Warlock book. Motherfucking yes. Yeah. Why are you walk down? 
What's do up? Do it. Play your stupid sound. I don't have it up right now because everyone always. Shits it. In my life, I want to hear that. You fucking fail me. Everyone always <laughs> shits on it. It then they should, but now is the time. Well, I. But what? I'll just insert it here. Please do so. Hold on. That's awesome. No, I'm really glad to hear that because I can't stand what they did to Thanos, and I, I'm glad that that proper team is coming back to do Warlock, who you know is a Thanos character kind of. He's part of that mythos. Yeah. So I read that the other day, and I was like, you know, outside of Squirrel Girl and Falcon Cap, I really don't give a fuck what happens in Marvel, but I'm I'm down for this. Oh, definitely. You mean Wolf Falcon Cap. I think he's back to normal. Wolf Falcon Cap. What the hell happened? Issues behind, but yeah. I'm two issues behind, or I'm an issue and a half behind. Comic books. And uh, he was still Wolf Cap. I haven't read it for like three issues, so. And New Falcon. They also introduced New Falcon. Oh, is he a white guy? No, Hispanic. Oh. He was a uh, border... Uh, oh, right, because they're doing that whole thing right now anyways. Yeah. That's his name, Ellis. Uh, no, because he's actually... Um, Ellis, you're not from Mexico. Yeah, but he said Hispanic. He didn't say Mexico. I thought you said Mexico. Okay, Falcon doesn't ride a bike. Yeah, but Ellis what does. Not exactly. All right. Anyways, yeah, moving on. <laughs> so this is about the time where we end the show. This is this <laughs> is about the time where we do end the show. And I would like to thank our very special guest Miles for joining us and talking about comics and science and whatever the hell just happened between Mike and Ellis. <laughs> we did it. It's <laughs> gonna be Jerry's talk part two. <laughs> thank you, man, for being on. Do you want to uh, want to plug your pluggables? Yeah, um, you know, guys, if you like science or comic books, you or can DC follow talk. Me. If you if you hate that, you can follow me at Gold Rush Comic or check out my website afterthegoldrush.space or if you google after the gold rush indiegogo, you can buy some awesome posters made by much better artists than me but featuring my character Scout and, you know, do that. It'll all be in the description. Yeah. Fair enough. Shout out to Ellis actually putting stuff in the description. I always do. I never look. The last um, time we had him on, no, not the last time we had him. The when we first talked about the first issue, I put it in there. There you go. Um, you can listen to us every week on SoundCloud.com/slash Eighty Page Giants, or go on iTunes where you can subscribe, rate, and review our show, and we'll pop up in your iTunes playlist or whatever podcast app on your phone whenever else gets around to editing these damn things you can also follow us on twitter i'm at at space heater 86 ellis not ellis i with two underscores somewhere in there i don't remember figure it out coward uh mike i am at go read something on twitter you got some new episodes coming up soon I have a episode that I just finished editing, and then Ellis has told me he's completely wrong, and I need to re-edit it. No, 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 no. no. I will explain after the show, but... We also have a Twitter account for the show, but I got tired of doing that, so don't worry about it. This is why you need to hand it down to me, mate. Hold on, hold on. I forgot my shameless self-promotion. Oh, please, go ahead. Uh, You can also see me live in person at C2E2 this year, where I'll be a panelist on... Friday, I believe it's March 18th. He the will The day after St. Patrick's Day. Are awesome. you going to be doing signings? 
I will I will sign anything you give me, and hey. uh, I will actually take things that you want signed to people who can sign them and are better than me, and I'll have them sign it. He That's will it. sign your man boobs. Will, will you sign a copy of After the Gold Rush if I go? Hey, I'll sign a copy if you come Thanks, out. Yeah, buddy. I'll even give you a ride to C2E2. I might do that. Let me talk with the Repop guys. Uh, if I send you a copy of Penthouse Forums from February 1997, would you sign that? As a no, bag. but I will, I will take it to John Cusack and have him sign it. Hey, <laughs> sign my good. unborn child. Uh, Miles, this thanks again for joining just... us, man. All right. Cheers, guys. Thanks, man. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.